You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Ross Strader. We're so glad you've joined us today, and as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter, at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. And you know, with that, the black books, when you express your concerns and when you share with us your prayer requests, we love to pray for you. So as you write down your prayer request there, know that the pastors as well as the elders are remembering your needs in prayer. If someone were to ask us to describe our church, there would be several ways that we could describe Bethel. We could say that we are a Bible church. I hope we would say that because it's part of our name. But what that would say is that we have a confidence in the Bible as the Word of God. And it would reflect our dedication to accurately proclaiming the message that God has given us in His Word. We could also say that our church is reformed in our tradition. That would describe that we hold high to the ideas that came out of the Protestant Reformation. Ideas like the sovereignty of God and the holiness of God. And the belief that salvation comes by trusting in Christ alone, by faith alone, by grace alone. We could also say that our church is contemporary in our worship, meaning that we include in our worship different styles of music, that we use a variety of musical instruments, and we tend to be a little less formal in the way that we dress for our services. But the main idea that describes our church is the desire for us to be gospel-focused. That means that as we preach the word as a Bible church, we desire that the gospel to be the central focus of our message. When we look at our Reformed tradition, we desire that our traditions always be filtered through the message of the gospel. And when we gather to worship, regardless of the type of music we sing or the formalism of our service, we always desire to proclaim the gospel. But what do we mean when we speak of the gospel. What is it unique about this idea of the gospel that we would say that it defines our church? Well, in the first century, the word from which we get the English word gospel was used to describe an announcement that was considered to be good news. It was often used to announce something like a great historical event, something like victory in war or the crowning of a new king. And a herald would go throughout the country announcing this good news of what had happened. In fact, when Jesus' Jesus's birth was announced by the angels in Luke chapter 2. They announced that Jesus' birth was 
good news and great joy for all people. When the Bible writers used the term gospel, they were announcing that something had happened that was great news for people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul describes to us the essence of the gospel. He says this message of good news, this message that we need to herald because of how special it is. Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul begins by saying that he wants to remind them of the gospel or the good news that he had shared with them when he was actually with them face to face. He wanted them to remember it because in this message of good news, in this gospel, was where their confidence with God lay. He goes on to say, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Paul wanted these believers to remember that the message he had shared with them was the good news of Christianity. He then goes on to describe the message of the gospel is the account of how Jesus died for us. Just as the prophecies in the Old Testament had predicted he would. And that, as a dead man, he was actually laid in a tomb. But unlike any other dead man, on the third day, Jesus arose from the dead. He was victorious over death, hell, and the grave. It sounds so simple, yet the truth contained in the message of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus is the greatest good news we could ever ask for. When we think about the crowning of a king, it can be special. When we think about the winning of a battle for a nation, that, that, that can be monumental. We can even think about the election of a president as being special. But the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is greater than all of those. Because it touches every aspect, not only of our lives, but it impacts our world as a whole also. Well, this morning, I'd like to begin by noticing that the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection touches our lives by making a way for us to be acceptable to God. 
and Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus addressed the most serious problem you and I have as human beings. And that problem is simply this. That God is holy, he is just, and I am not. And at the end of my life, I'm going to have to face God, who is sinless and holy. And I will stand before him either in my own righteousness, or I will stand before him in the righteousness of another. One author said it this way. He said, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus lived a life of perfect righteousness of perfect obedience to God, not for his own well-being, but for you and me. He has done for me what I could not possibly do for myself. But not only has he lived that life of perfect obedience, he offered himself as a perfect sacrifice to satisfy the justice and righteousness the good news of the gospel is that when Jesus gave his life on the cross, he did what only he was able to do. And that was to provide a way for us to have fellowship with God. I like what, how the apostle Peter expresses it. He says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. This is where the good news of the gospel is so different from religion. For you see, in religion, it operates on the principle that if I'm good enough, God is going to accept me. The good news of the gospel operates on the principle, Jesus was good enough. And if, I, and if I accept what Jesus did for me, God will accept me. You know, so many of us live in shame. Shame because we believe if people really knew us, they wouldn't really accept us. We live hidden lives, secret lives, because we can't bear the idea of somebody really knowing who we are. And that false message of shame is that if you hide, you're safe. If you can keep it secret, if nobody hears about the problems that I'm having in my marriage, if no one else knows that I struggle with pornography, if nobody else understands that, that I have a physical condition that, that's threatening my life, if I don't share it with anyone, then somehow I'm safe. But you know, the false message of shame is the exact opposite of the message of the good news of the gospel. 
For in the message of the gospel, God already knows you. He knows everything about you. Every secret, every hidden desire, every fear that you have. He knows it all. And yet, he still loves you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. And he loves you to the point that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. That is what is so great about the message of the gospel. Is that it takes me, a broken and sinful person, it takes you, a broken and sinful person, and allows for us to have peace with God. It's when we turn to God who knows everything about us and who loves us anyways that we experience that true good news of the gospel. But there's another way in which the gospel is good news and that it touches our lives. And that is by his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus can change our lives. There's no better example of how powerful the gospel can change a life than the example of the Apostle Paul. Before experiencing the changing power of the gospel, Paul only viewed Jesus from what he saw externally. He couldn't conceive that Jesus could have been the divine Messiah. His origins were too lowly. He grew up and was born, and he grew up in an out-of-way place, not in the central area of Jerusalem where all the attention was. He had been rejected. For if he would have had the right message, surely he would have been accepted by the religious people. And then worst of all, he had experienced a humiliating death by hanging on a cross. However, after encountering Jesus and believing in him, Paul saw Christ in an all-new light. And his life was changed. And as Paul wrote about the power of the gospel in 2 Corinthians, he says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though once we regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Paul says that if we have placed our faith in Christ, then our lives will be changed. He describes it as becoming a new creation. Obviously, many things about a Christian stays the same after they place their faith in Christ. We still look the same. Our personalities don't change. We don't get new parents. We still have struggles in this sinful world. Those things don't change. But the Bible teaches that when we trust Christ, God does something miraculous on a spiritual level. 
we sang about this morning when we sang that I am a new creation I am not the same anymore Paul describes this life in Christ a little differently when he wrote to the Galatians he said I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me you see the change that God affects in the life of a person isn't a result of us trying harder to be better people it comes about because Christ now lives within us this is one of the great mysteries of the gospel in fact Paul describes it when he says Christ in you the hope of glory the life change that comes about when we trust Christ can be either dramatic or it can be subtle when I think about dramatic life change I think about my father-in-law a tough foul-mouthed truck driver who at the age of 62 years old trusted Christ and he became a man who would humbly bow his head to his Savior in prayer the Savior that at one time he would easily curse without even a simple thought I think about the change I saw in the life of my high school friend John who went from throwing rocks at the Christian kids in school to sitting around the table laughing and eating with one of the kids he used to torment a true change in his life and oftentimes life change can be dramatic but life change can also be subtle I think about the young person who's been raised in church with the privilege of being exposed to the message of the gospel their entire lives and then they come to that place in their life where for the first time the message of the gospel makes sense to them and the Holy Spirit touches their heart and they place their faith in the Savior that they have heard about their entire lives oftentimes the changes are so subtle that really only parents take note I know as a parent whose children became believers when they were young most people didn't see what what I saw in our children but you know I rejoiced when I saw those signs of change when I saw God working in their lives in a very personal way you see the point is is that the good news of the gospel that it takes us from a personal place of living apart from God and gives us a new life through the indwelling presence 
of the resurrected Christ will not be sinless, but will be different. You and I can celebrate that as Christ's life comes into us, that he also begins a process of shaping us into a new kind of person. The gospel is not just good news about us from the standpoint of being accepted by God, but it's also good news about our hearts and our souls. But a last way in which the gospel touches our lives is that through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, the world now has something to hope for that will be better. The good news of the gospel is clearly about what happens to you and me spiritually and how our lives can be changed, but in reality, it's really about much more than that. The gospel is also about the victory of Jesus over sin, about him restoring this world to its sinless original design. The gospel declares to us that the brokenness of this world will be reversed. As you live in this world, you can't avoid being touched by the suffering that comes about because of the result of sin. Sin is responsible for the racial and the social injustice that we see. Sin is responsible for the economic inequalities and the terror of war. And sin within our bodies, sin within this world has affected us to the point that illness touches our lives and eventually death. The good news of the gospel is that there is a hope for the future. The death and resurrection of Christ sealed the end of the hopelessness of this world. I love what is said in Revelation 21. As we come to the end of the Bible, we see the result of the work of Christ. We see the final exaltation of the plan of God. Where it says, then I saw a new heaven and I saw a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. What is the gospel? 
It's the good news that as a result of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, your sin has been paid for. And you can come to Christ in faith, believing in his payment for your sin, and receive the forgiveness of God. It's good news that our lives can be changed through the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ. And we can be better people because of his power in us. And it's good news that because of the death of Christ, sin has been conquered. And we can be a part of a world where there will be no more mourning, crying, or pain. See, the gospel is the good news that you and I can come to God for salvation. We can come to God who accepts us simply because Jesus took our place. My prayer as we begin this new year, that we would begin this year sensitive to the Spirit of God touching our hearts appreciative and rejoicing and receiving the gift of salvation. That we would be a people who would recognize that God is at work in our lives to change us, to shape us into the image of His Son. And that we would live as a people living in hope. Recognizing that no, bad, no matter how bad this world gets, God is with us, and he's one day going to restore everything to its original plan that he had. As we start this new year, let's start it with joy in our salvation, joy in God's work in our lives, and a spirit of hope that looks forward to all that God is going to be doing in the future. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come before you just recognizing the message of your gospel. Father, we acknowledge that we go through life often so clueless about what you're doing. And Father, we get so caught up in this world that we forget the life that you have taken us from the forgiveness that you have given to us, and the hope that we have within our hearts. Father, we, we praise you for your love. We praise you, Father, that you and you alone, that you provided the payment for our sin, and that, Father, in that we can rest. Lord, I pray that you'll go with us now as we just pause to remember your broken body and your shed blood. And Father, you would just renew within our hearts just the blessings. Go with this. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. 
Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.